0: Good morning. Wow, it is totally like a kid town classroom. I love it. We, kids, you guys are totally outweighing the amount of adults in this room. And that is awesome and so good for my heart. I love seeing, well, half your faces, you know, from here up. So today, we are going to be a song called, be singing a song called God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen. Now, this song was written about 400 years ago. So it's super, super old. And it has some words in it that have changed meaning since the time has gone on. So some of the words meant one thing 400 years ago. and mean, something different now. So we're gonna kind of talk about what those words mean, because it changes the meaning of the song. I have a friend who um, has been to Israel a ton of times, and she actually studied over there. And she said that rabbis in the classroom with their students, when the kids would say something amazing about God, that the rabbi would take off their shoe and throw it across the room because it was something so amazing. So this song, I have been, sorry, my voice is shaking because I like hightailed it up here. Um, this song that we're singing made me want to throw my shoe all week because of what it meant back then and what it means to us now. So the song is called God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And... That first line when I say, God rest you, married gentlemen, what does that sound like? What is, what is rest? What do you think rest is? Who thinks, right? Parker, what'd you do? You pretended like you were sleeping. What else can rest mean? Ellis? Relaxing, right. Anybody else have a thought? Okay, so rest. Is relaxing, taking a nap. What about Mary? What does Mary mean? Anyone? Ellis, you are full of answers today. I love it. It's happy. happy, right? To us, Mary means happy. But if we think about that first line of the song and we use our meanings in it, then instead of it saying "God rest you merry gentlemen," it's saying "God give these really happy men a nap." Do you think that's what it means? No, no. Four hundred years ago, the word "rest" meant "make" or "made," and "Mary" meant "mighty." Think of Robin Hood and his merry men. It wasn't Robin Hood and his happy men? No, it was Robin Hood and his mighty men. So our first line is God made you mighty. The second line, let nothing you dismay. I'm trying to do this without singing it because who says the words without singing them? Thank you, but I won't do that to anyone today. Um, So let nothing you dismay. Dismay means pretty much the same thing over the last 400 years, and it means discourage. So let nothing discourage you. Okay, so we have God made you mighty. Let nothing discourage you. The third line is remember, Christ our savior was born on Christmas day. So that is why we don't have to be discouraged because we're remembering prophecies from thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago that have come true and we're remembering that Jesus was born. We're remembering that Jesus lives with us now and we're remembering that he's coming back. So what do we have to be discouraged about? I know a lot of us in this room, adults and kids alike, would probably say 2020 has not been awesome and there has been a lot to be discouraged about. I'm looking around this room and everyone's in a mask. I can't see you smile can't see you frown you can't tell if you're happy or sad and that's kind of discouraging it makes me sad and so we've had a full year of different things like that where things aren't just like they used to be but this song and the scriptures bible god tells us that we don't have to be discouraged things are hard but we can do hard things because we are mighty Because God has made us mighty. And then the final line I'm going to share with you is part of the chorus. And it says, tidings of comfort and joy. Tidings is a message. So this song, these things that we're remembering, is our message that brings us comfort and joy. So as we sing this song, think about it in a different way. We have, many of us in this room, have probably sung this song many, many times over the years. I know for me, I've never really paid attention to the words. I'm just sang it. But now we have this message that we're mighty, that we don't need to be discouraged, even when bad things are happening, because we have a hope, we have comfort, we have joy. So as we sing this song, I want you to sing your hearts out. Because this is what was true. This is what was true 2,000 years ago. This is what's true now. That we have a Savior who has come.
1: Sing God Rest Ye Merry, gentlemen. God Rest Ye Merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. To save. Comfort and joy! Oh, tidings of comfort and joy! From God, our heavenly Father, a blessed angel came and unto certain shepherds brought tidings of the same. Sing praises. Now to the Lord sing praises, all ye within this place, and in true love and brotherhood, each other. Let this be a time of our spirits being strengthened, um, just as the words of those songs say. Amen.
2: Amen. Well, we are going to uh, be looking at a man named Simeon this morning, and he is very much in the category that Jen just shared a uh, resting, mighty gentleman who remembered and knew the promises of God. Uh, the passage I'm about to read, I'm, I'm going to just kind of talk you through it and then I'll read it. It, it. it tells us that he was a man who was under the influence of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit was upon him. And as a result of that, he was righteous and he was devout. And he was waiting, it says in there, for the consolation of Israel. So that phrase uh, would have triggered a lot for people uh, back into the Old Testament. He was waiting for the Messiah. He was waiting for the Comforter right the one who would bring comfort and joy like we just sang the one who would rescue israel not just from their current oppressor because israel kind of always had somebody over them right egypt rome whoever not just someone who would rescue them from their from their current trouble their current circumstance right which was rome at the time but one who would actually free them from their greatest oppressor the oppressor that that predated Rome and predated Egypt, the oppressor of sin. And Simeon knew that that one, the one who could free them from that, he was coming, the Lord's Christ, just like Anna last week, right? And it says in here, and we're going to read it, that the Spirit directs him to the temple at this moment when Jesus is being brought by Mary and Joseph to fulfill all that the law required, the law of Moses required for a firstborn. And this guy, Simeon, he sees Jesus, and he rushes over to Mary and Joseph, and he takes the baby out of their arms, right? Just think about that for a second. Baby snatches, right? And he, yeah, yeah, obviously the Lord's at work here, because that would not go down these days, right? And, and he picks up Jesus, and he speaks these profound truths about who Jesus is, and he speaks some profound things to them, Okay? So here's the passage. This is Luke twenty or two, twenty-two through thirty-eight. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it was written in the law of the Lord: Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves. And two young pigeons, or sorry, or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in, in spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus So a couple things um, I want us to consider out of this passage. Um, You can put them under these two headers. The blessing of sight and then the blessing of the sword. Okay? The blessing of sight and the blessing of the sword. The first thing, the blessing of sight or blessed to see. When he sees Jesus, you know, I said this, that they're, they're bringing him for all of these purification uh, rituals that were, were called for him to do in the law of Moses. And he sees Jesus and he, he takes him up in his arms and he says something really profound here. He says, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you've prepared in the presence of all peoples. I have seen your salvation in this little baby. Not just for the Jewish people, but for the Gentiles as well, for all peoples, my eyes have seen it. What Simeon is saying here is, is that who I was looking for, the one that I was waiting for, the one that the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that I would see before I died, I've seen it. I've seen him. And the effect of seeing Jesus, the effect of seeing Jesus is this, I can now depart in peace. That's what he says. You're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word because for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's saying, I've been waiting. I've been suffering in waiting. I've been suffering with living with longing, awaiting what the Holy Spirit has said, you will see this. And now I've seen him. And he says, This, now I can depart. It's literally like he's saying, I'm ready to go. I don't know if you've ever met anybody. Who's ever said that, like, I'm just kind of ready to go be with the Lord, right? Maybe 2020 has made you feel that way more than most years, but like, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of just ready to go now. And I want, I want you to think about this for a second, about Simeon, because we don't know a whole lot about what happened to him after this moment, right? But we can, we can presume this. Let's use our, our holy imaginations, as Jen likes to say, right? Right? After this moment, he probably went home, right? And then he got up the next day, right? And we don't know. I mean, we can presume that he was old, but we don't know when he died, right? But we know this because we know the rest of the story. In fact, we're living in that story. We know that things in life didn't instantly get better for Israel, did they? And yet, he was saying something about his own heart, which is this, I'm at peace. I can depart now in peace, right? He's saying to them, I've got a, I've got a peace that now travels. <laughs> it's going to go with me, it goes with me wherever I go, wherever I depart to because of who I've seen. That was the effect of Simeon seeing Jesus, right? Right? And I want to ask you this question this morning for us: Is that possible for us? Is it possible that when I look upon Jesus, that the same thing, the same peace, the same rest, the same strength that we just sang about, comes about, I can depart wherever I go in peace because of seeing Jesus? Like who have we seen? maybe another way to ask it is is who are you or who am i looking at and would you dare to believe that he is in a unique way even more unique than simeon had he has given you the holy spirit not just upon you but in you is what scripture says and he has given you eyes to see him He has given you the joy of your salvation, the consolation and the comfort that your heart most desires, the source of true, real, lasting peace. Like Matthew says, blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. Would you dare to believe that just like Simeon, Because we have those eyes to see, because he has given you eyes to see, to see him, we actually have access to a peace in him that that frees me now to depart, to go into the world, into whatever day that I'm facing in peace. That's why he says in John 14, my peace I give to you. Remember, he said that to them when he was leaving and going to the cross. And he tells him, don't let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. He's saying, you will have to actually, because of who you've seen, me, let your hearts be troubled. You have to let them be troubled. You have to let them become afraid. And how we do that, how I do that, is as my eyes drop off of him, I stop seeing him and I start looking everywhere else. And so in certainly in this season, but in this season, in 2020, would you look at him? Would you consider him? Would you ponder him like Mary did? Because I'm convinced, I'm utterly convinced, if for no other thing than my own personal experience, but I could argue it through the scriptures, that when we see Jesus clearly and understand that the consolation, the comfort, the peace that we desire can only come from Him, that the deepest desires and needs of our hearts are only met in Him, when we get a glimpse of Him, even just a glimpse of Him. Have you ever had one of those moments that they don't even have to last long, where you just, you see the Lord, you see His goodness, you see His faithfulness, you see Him seeing you, (laughs) and I'm with you in all of this. Doesn't it bring about peace? I can go in peace, even in the middle of difficulty, which we know Simeon and Israel faced, and so would Mary. We'll talk about that in a second. I'd argue with us that our lack of peace is directly connected to our not looking at Jesus. Like Simeon's peace, right? It says there that he was righteous and devout and waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon's peace wasn't his devoutness or his righteousness, right, that made him ready to depart in peace. It was seeing Jesus and only seeing Jesus. There's a place in the New Testament where Paul, I'll read it to you, it's in Philippians 1. Paul, he was also a guy who was super devout, right? Go read Philippians 3. He's the Jew of Jews. He's like, you know, super Bible man, right? If, he had, if, if, if Paul were a superhero, right, he would have had a giant cape, Right, Because he knew everything that there was to know about the Old Testament and the law. And he kept it better than anybody else. Right? He was proud. He was a spiritual stud. He did all of the right things. And yet it was only after Jesus revealed himself. He saw Jesus on the Damascus Road in Acts 9. And he understood that's who I'm looking for. It was in seeing Jesus that Paul's sense of life, his sense of peace, his sense of confidence, his rest was no longer in his goodness or his ability to do the right thing, but it was in Christ. So much so that, listen to this, doesn't he sound, listen how Paul sounds like Simeon. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. He's saying the same thing Simeon's saying. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to depart, which is better by far. But here's what Paul concludes. It's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I will remain. And continue with all of you for your progress of joy in the faith. And so that. Through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ will abound on account of me. He's basically saying this, I'm staying for your good and your growth in the peace that I have because I'm good. I've seen what I need to see. And I'm seen by who I need to be seen by. I don't need another audience. Jesus sees me and I see him. I've seen what my heart longs for. Simeon's peace Paul's peace, brothers and sisters and little brothers and sisters, it's the same for us. I would encourage us to consider, especially, man, if we've ever had a season for this, in 2020, that there's a profoundly deep connection between seeing Jesus and real peace, real, unshakable joy. That's why Hebrews 12 says, in running the race, our race with perseverance that's marked out for us, the call is to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's what? The author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, which was us, right? Endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. You can't consider something you're not looking at. Consider him. Look at him. Ponder him. Who endured such opposition from sinners So that what? We will not grow weary and not lose heart. We will not lose our peace. We will not lose our mighty rest that we've been given. So just first thing, we're blessed to see. And if you have no traveling peace, no no walkable peace, a peace that goes with you into all of these circumstances, would you dare to begin to look at where are your eyes fixed? What are you looking at? And would you dare to look at him? Because he's the author. He's given you eyes to see, right? He's the author of our faith and he's the perfecter of our faith. He's the originator and he's the ongoing source of the faith that brings peace. So we're blessed to see. Second thing is the blessing of the sword. So The beginning of this passage, I mean, that, you know, verse 29 through 32 is even a hymn that Israel would sing. Now let your servant depart in peace. These are all the things that we're we're familiar with with Simeon, but we rarely read the last two lines, where Simeon, at the end of this baby-snatching moment, right, where you got to wonder about that for a second, right? Like, is Mary, like, none of us would be comfortable with that, right? But she's going along with the bit. Right, And at the end of that moment, Simeon blesses Mary and Joseph, and he says something to Mary, but what he goes on to say seems a lot less like a blessing, kind of like what Jen was saying about the way we hear words. I hear the word bless, and what do you hear? Kids, what do you hear when you hear the word blessing? Is that a good thing or a hard thing? Yeah, yeah. We initially think, ah, oh, that's a great thing, right? But he goes on to say a bunch of hard things to Mary, right? Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the hearts from or so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed.
1: Bless you.
2: <laughs> right? He says your your child is going to be the most polarizing person in the history of the world. And the road ahead of you is going to be tough. In fact, it's going to get bloody. It's going to be so tough for you, Mary, that it's going to be like a soul sword. That you are literally going to be cut to the heart over what happens to your boy blessings right what Simeon is prophesying is this because he's talking about the road ahead for Mary, the road ahead for Jesus the road ahead and he's saying something that's true He's, he's, he's saying some profoundly deep truths for you and for me this morning and it's this That you are blessed to see, but real sight, real freedom from sin, from your real oppressor, real consolation, real comfort, real joy, it comes at a cost. That it's not free, it's not cheap, it's not easy. That that's how we see. We see that sight that we have, it comes through the sword. That's how we get the eyes to see. The King Jesus, this baby right now that's going to grow up and live a perfect life of obedience and go and do everything that the Father has asked him to do and then head to the cross and die for our sins. King Jesus is not going to back away from taking the sword, right? He's the one who took the ultimate sword for our freedom and fulfilled the law. All of the law. We see him already doing it as a baby. He's already fulfilling all the law's requirements. He fulfills all the requirements. And he makes peace through blood. And scripture has made it clear from the beginning there is no peace without blood. So, yes, King Jesus is going to take the sword, but he's also going to bring the sword. And this is hard for us. Just give me three more minutes. Lean in. Like in Matthew 10, 34, he says, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. What? Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. You know? Jesus with the sword? What is that about? If you read the rest of that passage, he goes on and basically talks about Dividing families, dividing relationships, but ultimately dividing our allegiances. He's saying, I'm I'm coming to bring a sword because I'm going to divide and cut out the places where you may say, I love you, but I also love the world. I'm bringing about internal and external conflict in you. I'm cutting, right? I'm bringing the sword and I'm doing it not to wound, but to heal. It's literally, if you want to think about it in terms of, has anybody in here had LASIK surgery? There was, I guess, I saw a sign the other, or a, a advertisement the other day for bladeless LASIK, right? Like, I guess they're figuring out how to do it without a an actual blade. There is no bladeless spiritual LASIK. Okay. It takes cutting to see because. Apart from the grace of God, apart from the Holy Spirit at work, which was what was happening for Simeon, right? Apart from the Holy Spirit, what our flesh naturally sees and what our flesh naturally looks for, apart from God's grace, is as I look for peace in all the wrong places and from all the wrong sources. I look to things that cannot give me peace to give me the peace that we're talking about here this morning. And he says there at the end that, that the thoughts from many hearts are going to be revealed. He's literally saying I'm, the Holy Spirit is taking this sword, right, to search and reveal to us our hearts. And if I'm honest, often what I find is that my life, your pastor's life, <laughs> is marked more by waiting on kind of a consolation prize sort of piece, a second place piece, a worldly piece rather than the thing that will bring me true peace while I wait. Jesus knew this about us. He says in Luke, as he's heading to Jerusalem, if you, even you, only knew this day, what would bring you peace? But it is now hidden from your eyes. That's what he said on the stoop of Jerusalem heading to the cross. If you only knew what would bring you peace, but it's hidden from your eyes. The blessing of the sword is this. I read it this week in another commentary. It's more like a surgeon's scalpel that is cutting away what hinders and what clutters or what clouds our vision. And yes, surgery is painful, right? Because when that surgery and that cutting happens, it exposes the depth of my sin. It also exposes my inability to free myself from the sin, right? but it also simultaneously shows me what Jesus has come to do for me, what I could never do. And I don't have to be afraid because I'm in the hands of a good surgeon, right? There's a blessing in the sword. It's painful. But would you dare to believe that if you're in Christ, he says there, he is appointed for the fall and for the rising of many of Israel, a sign that is to be opposed. If he's... If he's opposing something in you, he's not opposing it in you to kill you. He's opposing it in you to free you, for you to rise, right? So we are blessed to see. We are. If you're in Christ this morning, you've been given the most significant blessing you could ever receive. You have the eyes to see who he truly is. Would you look on him? And would you dare to believe that even the sword is a blessing? Because the Holy Spirit is testifying to you and he's cutting and he's saying, I'm the source of the only true peace. I am the source that only brings you the lasting rest that your heart desires. And so you can go now. You can, like Simeon, depart in peace into whatever and wherever all the days ahead of you because he goes with you. It's not hidden from your eyes. And would you dare to believe this? It's the last thing I'll say. That if things feel right now more like sword than sight, right? More like busted than blessed <laughs> or sorrow than celebration, um, would, you, would you lean into the rest of the story? Would you, would you look at your Jesus and realize I'm bringing that into your life or I'm allowing that in your life, whatever verb you want to put in there? so that you could rise, not fall. I'm cutting to heal, not to harm. Because that's Simeon's story, that's Anna's story, that's Mary's story, that's your story. All right? Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you uh, that we see in this story of Simeon um, a man uh, who was under the influence of you and your Holy Spirit, and that as a result, he could wait well uh, even in the, in the difficulty of it, and even could anticipate what was, what was ahead, which was going to be difficult. But even what was ahead, even what he prophesied to Mary, it didn't rob him of his peace. And so I pray that you would restore us uh, to the joy of our salvation, that our eyes would be fixed on you uh, in this season, in this year, that we would be looking to you for peace, and that you would give us a departing peace, a peace that walks uh, into all things, and that if things are difficult, Lord, would we trust that that sword that you bring is one uh, to heal, not to harm, um, to help us to rise, not retreat, um, and we, would we lay on the table, would we stay on the surgery table, trusting uh, that the cutting that you're doing is good, that um, you're cutting us to heal, in your name, amen.